Episode 7 of the All Things Sports Podcast. Hope everybody listening in today is having a great week. Always appreciate you guys. And today we got Jeff Ehrman with us, Maryland's number one insider. We're discussing all things Terps. How you doing, my guy? How's everything going? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So how about before we dive into some conversation about the Terps, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, where you got to now, just the whole the whole rundown? Uh, yeah, I mean, long story short, I grew up a few miles away from University of Maryland, so I always followed the Terps from a young age. When I got out of college, I um, I worked in newspapers for about eight or nine years. I worked at the Washington Post. I covered Missouri basketball, a couple other newspapers, and then kind of fell into doing this online. I thought it was just going to be like a freelance job, and here we are, uh, 18 years later, still doing it, you know, doing something that a lot of people would probably love to do and doesn't really feel like a job some of the time. So um, that's a, that's basically my whole story. I've been covering Maryland forever. If you if you include newspapers before that, uh, covering Maryland for about 20 years, following Maryland since early 90s, Maryland football and basketball. And um, so we've built a pretty large following on the website and uh, with 24 seven sports network, which is owned by CBS. And uh, so that's basically my story. Yeah. And just a touch on that. So 24 seven sports, can you maybe explain, you know, how you developed into that? Did you start it? Were you offered it? You know, what was that? How did that really come about to be? So, I started doing this as a freelancer for an existing site, which was on a network called scout.com in 2005. That's when I kind of built up an audience there over a few years. Uh, Then I launched my own independent site. It was called terpcenter.com, which I loved the name. Unfortunately, the AD at the time uh, with whom dealing was one of my least enjoyable experiences of my life. I won't say the name, but people can figure it out had a problem with that name and kind of forced us to take it down and rename the site. So then we switched to inside MD sports. Uh, And then in 2010, the 24 seven sports network was, was launched by Shannon Terry. He's the same, same guy who basically invented this whole industry of team college team sites, covering recruiting. Uh, He launched rivals.com, which was the godfather of this whole business. So, you know, I knew what his track record was. He asked me to join. So I brought my site over uh, to 24-7 Sports. I've been with them for 13 years since then. They were acquired by CBS Sports probably seven or eight years ago. So we're under the CBS umbrella. Interesting. Yeah, Jeff, it's all really cool stuff. Um, and this could be a loaded question because you cover all sports. Um, what is like a typical day for you? Like what, on a, I guess it's probably different season to season, but what would you say like your daily routine is on an average day working for two, four, seven? Yeah, it's extremely seasonal. Like you said, this time of year, there's a little more downtime, which personally is nice. But in terms of finding content, sometimes you're like, oh my God, I got to write about like, you know, the 10 best uh, 
water boys of the eighties in Maryland football, like you're really scratching, but during the year, obviously during basketball season, it's nonstop, but generally like at night, I try to make sure I have something good set to publish for the morning. If it can be like a premium story with some exclusive information about recruiting or something else, because I like people to look forward to being able to get on the site early and see something good or something interesting uh, kind of program their brains into getting on the site first thing in the morning. Then from there, you know, usually, you know, sometimes I'll have something in the can already, another article. Sometimes I'm scouring, looking at podcasts that might be interesting to transcribe or talking to sources. You know, I'm on the phone a lot trying to get information out, obviously, because that's what people subscribe for, right? I mean, they'll click on the free stuff, but if they're going to subscribe, they want, exclusive, right. you know, the scoop they can't get anywhere else. So, I'm on the phone a lot during the day talking to sources and, and, and reporting. And then, you know, I have a few writers also who work for me. So I'm communicating with them about what they might be working on. And, you know, we try to publish, I would say four articles a day, at least on average, somewhere in that range during the season, during basketball or football season, it can be a lot more. Um, So, you know, this time of year, a lot of it is, you know, look ahead to previewing Maryland football things. So you have to get kind of creative with it. But, um, you know, like I said, it sometimes it doesn't seem like a job, but it is a decent amount of work. Totally. Definitely. And you talked about calling people, trying to get information. You have turned into Maryland sports is basically the number one source for all that information. Thank you. Did you always aspire? Like, was that always a goal for you? Or did it kind of just like happen naturally and you kind of like just took that route? Or were you always trying to be, you know, the main source for all Maryland athletics? So when I started working at newspapers out of college, I was covering high schools in PG County and and the Washington Post covered them very heavily too at the time. They've since really marginalized their high school sports coverage. But so there was a really good reporter on the beat and I started to realize like this is, this is kind of fun competing for scoops. It'd largely be about, you know, recruiting or, you know, uh, DeMatha's hiring a football coach, who's it going to be, things like that. So that's where I first got a taste for that kind of competition. Um, and then, you know, obviously, so like I said, I went and covered uh, Missouri basketball and I worked at the Post for a while. And so I really liked that. And then Maryland was just a passion of mine. I'd followed Maryland forever. And so when I, like I said, when I started it, I Yeah, I mean, right away, I wanted to compete. There was an existing site at the time called Terrapin Times that was dominant in the marketplace. They had uh, a sweetheart deal with the university, so they were being promoted very heavily. But they had, uh, there was some abrasiveness there that had alienated a lot of Maryland fans. So a lot of Maryland fans were kind of looking for an alternative, I think, when I came along. And so at first, it was really hard. I never would have guessed that I would be you know, maybe the, the top guy just in terms of reporting at Maryland because the guy who was there had been there forever. He had so many connections. Maryland was spoon feeding him information constantly. So I didn't think that would ever happen. But as time went on and I kept competing and, and developing more sources and breaking more stories, uh, then I felt like we could get there, you know. And then I think we had some big breaks, like we broke the Big Ten story Maryland when Maryland moved to the Big Ten. And uh, Randy Edsel's firing. So those were the two first big ones that kind of really showed me like, like we can really own this beat. So I didn't really think that much about whether I would or not, but 
you know, when you're competitive already, you know, I've played sports all my life, obviously at this point, it's just, just for fun. But when you have that competitiveness in you and you also enjoy the subject matter and you like writing, it's a pretty good combination. Yeah, Jeff, you kind of touched on this a little in your answer just now, but I guess over the years, it's kind of interesting. I find the whole industry kind of like insider information. How do you kind of like, how do you develop sources? Are you speaking directly with coaches? Are you talking to players? How do you find this information first? I would love to know the answer to this question. It's the great one. That's probably the question I get the most, honestly. People, they're like, where, how do you get, Um, some of it is I'm lucky because I was already in before I started doing this, I was already in the DMV covering high schools and local sports and stuff. So I already developed relationships with some of the guys who have since then, like um, Keith Stevens at Team Takeover was just starting out trying to form an age or Mike Jones at DeMatha. He was an assistant coach at the time. And I was writing about how they should hire him to replace Morgan Wooten, who was their legendary coach who was retiring. Just so I came up at the same time with a lot of people. I've gotten to know them over the years. And then just um, I think some of it is people look at the site and they see that we do report a lot of the news. So I think they almost kind of feel like they're supposed to tell me, as silly as that might sound. Like we're like almost the official news source, unofficial official news source. And um, just working, calling people, you know, hey, coach, I wanted to, you know, a lot of times the first time if you it's like sales, like a cold call to a high school coach, they might not give you. But over the years, if you keep developing just just like sales or any other uh, business networking dynamic, you get to know people over the years and, you know, they'll after a while, they'll go out of their way to call it. The best is when they go out of their way to call you if there's news, because you don't always you don't always know that there's news happening behind the scenes, you know, if somebody's getting ready to transfer or a recruit's going to commit, but he's not telling anybody, you might not even know to ask. So uh, people, I've been really lucky to have some sources, you know, some people also at Maryland, you know, administratively boosters, coaches, other people who've shared information with me often to help me break news. And I know you talked about the two stories that you broke, the two major stories, were those both inbound or were were any of them inbound or did you, how'd you get that information? Um, so I think the big 10 one, it's funny, somebody posted it on the message board and, I, uh, you know, there's a rumor, Maryland, big 10, I dismissed it out of hand. I was like, no, it's, a, and then, uh, and then I, I can't remember who the first person, it didn't, it didn't come into me out of the blue. I started calling people who knew people inside the athletic department. And then I talked to some really big names who were being consulted by the school about how to handle it from a PR situation, you know, media types. And so, that one was not uh, handed to me. I, that one was really amazing. You know, I've said this, one big regret I have about that one is the day that it went down, I knew it was going down. I got a phone call to say, it's, it, it's, they voted on it. It's a done deal. They're going to the Big Ten. And I, and I posted it. I, I still was a little squeamish because it was such a big story. And I knew there was a 98% chance he was right. But I'm like, if I end up with egg on my – so I put it on the premium board. I'm hearing Maryland is going, done deal but I didn't blow it out like on Twitter and really make a huge deal out of it. So I kind of regret that I've learned over the years. Like if you think it's good, you know, I've regretted a million times more not going with the story than I have going with the story. Um, And then the Edsel one. um, Yeah. Somebody called me and told me like he's gone. And so 
I started calling around. I got it confirmed. This was seven, six or seven days before he eventually got fired. And no, actually it was like 10 days. And so I told the Maryland media relations director at the time, like I have this story, get back to me. And he didn't, he didn't answer. And then I said it again, like two days later, like, you know, do you want to confirm this? Do you want to, you know, cause I'm trying to give them an opportunity. And sometimes, you know, there's a give and take to things. So if he says, yes, it's true. And you'll, I'm going to, you're, you're going to break it. I'm not going to tell anybody, but can you hold, this happens all throughout media. Can you, um, embargo it till tomorrow at noon or when sometimes you'll do it sometimes you won't depend so anyways I didn't hear back so finally I'm sitting here like two days in a row just stressing just waiting for it to pop up some other reporter you know reporting it and I you know I didn't want to blow that opportunity so finally I went ahead and and ran with it I published it and of course he called me like 30 seconds later very angry that I had reported it and I said you know, I tried to work with you and you didn't. And I think, I honestly think that the situation wasn't that he was trying to, well, he was ducking me, but I don't think it was because he was trying to, I think he didn't know. I think it was only happening at a very high level, you know, president and AD. Um, and so he didn't know, but anyways, so that was like Monday of that week. I reported, so, so, it, so it blows up nationally. Everybody's saying inside NBC Sports is reporting Randy Etzel is going to be fired, this and that. And I knew he was going to be fired after the game going into that weekend. It was at Ohio State. And so I'm at that game. You know, Maryland always gets killed by Ohio State pretty much, pretty consistently, except for last year anyways. And Maryland just is playing the game of their life. Like they are, it's just keep, I keep thinking Ohio State's just going to step on the gas and run away. And they just keep hanging tough. It's in like the third quarter and it's like a tie game. And I'm sitting there like, sweating bullets because I know obviously if they beat Ohio state, he's not going to get fired. Get fired right? Yeah. They're all going to think I was wrong. Uh, so Ohio state, you know, Perry Hills was out of his mind that game. I don't know if you remember him, but he ran for like 150 yards. Yeah. So they pulled away eventually. And then he was fired. Uh, he was fired like that night or the next day. Interesting. And I just had one follow-up question. I thought this was pretty interesting when you said it, even if it's, 98% true you'd rather just post it like if you believe the story you're going to post it I'm wondering if that's backfired you know or if that's still your mindset today because we know this there are some angry Maryland fans out there and I'm sure you've dealt with a couple so I was just wondering if that confidence has maybe backfired in any way or if you still implement that mindset to your actions today. I mean, I'm sure there have been times where I've reported something was as factually it's going to happen and it was wrong. But it's, if I thought about it, I could recall recall one. But more of the ones where I'm saying, like, I feel very confident. It's more my gathering information from sources, my gut feeling, that kind of thing. Like if um, Sean Miller, I was like, I think Maryland's from what I'm hearing, I think Maryland's going to get, get it done with Sean Miller. Uh, and everybody of course was going nuts. I mean, they wanted all the fans wanted him so badly and it fell through that night and they let me have it for days after. I mean, they were just all over me for being wrong on that one. Um, and then if you cover recruiting for 20 years, you're going to be, especially in Maryland, which, you know, we're, we're not talking about Alabama football or Duke basketball recruiting right. lines. You know, they, 
So there's going to be some misses. Uh, so I've, I've had my share of those, you know, when I say 98%, if I, even if it, I'm only, even if I'm at 98%, again, I'm still not going to say like, say it factually, this is going to happen, but uh, you know, I, the phrasing, the way you phrase it matters a lot. But like I said, I came to realize a few years ago that for every one time I regretted either reporting or giving my projection or speculation on something, you know, there's a hundred more times where I kicked myself for holding on to something that ended up being right 99 out of a hundred times. Interesting. Kind of staying on a similar subject. I know this is going to be wanted to hear by a lot of our viewers, but the Hunter Dickinson kind of dilemma between us and Kansas, what did you know? And I guess take us through the two weeks prior of gathering information and how did it, how did it become Kansas over Maryland? So um, I talked to a source very tied in at DeMatha, and he said, I'm hearing that, that Dickinson is going to transfer, and he's really interested in Maryland, and he might, Justin Moore from Villanova also might be transferring. And wow. so um, I was like, ooh, wow, that's that's a wild one. And I asked it around a few more people, one other person. So I just I reported behind the paywall, you know, I don't know if this is true, but some really well-informed people are, are telling me that Hunter Dickinson might be transferring and uh, and then he'll be interested in Maryland. And so I texted Dickinson and didn't get a response. And then five, maybe five days later, it broke that he was transferring. And I immediately got a message back from, from him saying, I sorry, I couldn't confirm or deny at the time. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I mean, I talked to him several times. I don't think, I don't know if any other media were talking to him. I didn't see him quoted. I don't think anywhere else. Uh, right. Not that he was calling me every day to tell him, give me the scoop, but he, he shared some information. I talked to some people at Maryland and, and others involved. And I think I had a pretty good feel for things. I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything I would correct going back. You know, I never reported who's coming to Maryland. I reported each of the daily developments, whether that's he just took a visit to Maryland that nobody knows about. Like he came in for a secret visit the day after his visit that I don't think was reported anywhere else or that he's going to, I think Kansas is the biggest competition, things like that. So a little right. daily updates or I heard from some players at Maryland who'd been speaking with him. So I got some information that way. Uh, and I 100% based on my conversations with him and a whole you know, a bunch of other people, I think if, if NIL wasn't a factor, I have no, no doubt he would have gone to Maryland. Uh, and I think he was still fairly close. I think he was very undecided up until 36 hours ahead of time, you know, Kansas, I mean, I, that's not to say it was all NIL. Kansas obviously has a ton to sell. It's arguably the best program in the country right now uh, with a Hall of Fame coach. So, but the money, the NIL difference was huge. I think probably Maryland was maybe at 30-ish percent, maybe of what he would no, maybe a little less or in that range of what he would have gotten there. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I think that he would, he definitely would have been willing to give a hometown discount, but you're not going to find anybody who's going to give that kind of discount. Yeah, it's Money insane. talks. And that was kind of like another question that I had is how is this complicating things with recruiting? I mean, we've seen it time and time again, the schools that can pay the most are getting the recruits. Um, how does that make your job harder? You know? Yeah, it does. Cause um, you don't know what they're being offered. It's not like it's 
reported or right. you know, there's actual like concrete information on that. So, you know, before you could just just sort out all the typical variables about what you're hearing, who he's visited, where he's seen their comments, what people around them are saying. But now there's that totally hidden X factor. So it does make it it does make it harder to guess. Um, it makes it harder to recruit too if you're Maryland and you're going against some of these schools because, uh, I mean, the amount of money, you know, a lot of times some of these deals are inflated. People tend to inflate some of the NIL deals, but but still there is a good amount of money going around, especially when you talk about football recruiting and these SEC and basketball recruiting too. The SEC is just, you know, where it's at. So uh, it does make it a little more complicated. Yeah, Jeff. I just had a question, you know, we're on the subject of NIL. Um, there was a report that came out amidst the Kansas, Maryland, Villanova drama that Maryland upped their NIL offer to about $2 million. I don't know if you know this information, but can you possibly confirm or deny if you do have it? Yeah, that was totally bogus. There was nothing to that at all. That was, um, that was a report from, you know, an outlet that tends to just, you know, some people have different... Uh, trying to be diplomatic here yeah no that was that was that was completely bogus I was talking I talked to people who were extremely close to the situation on a daily basis at Maryland boosters involved uh there was no they, they did increase they did raise some extra money but it was not in that same universe yeah very interesting you say that because that's the first time I've heard that and from what I've heard before speaking to you that was what he was offered and he took the other offer so it just shows you kind of where Twitter is and kind of like where the reporting business is yeah. everybody believed have... it everybody believed it and they kept right. asking me all day long every day is it too he's getting you know people just they have no there's no um filter they just if, if somebody you know, not, not an average Joe, but if anybody in the media or a semi-media type puts something salacious out, people are just automatically going to take it right. as, you know, gospel for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it only seems somewhat believable because of NIL playing a part of it. I don't know. I, I believe it just because it was out there, but interesting. Um, and Matt, do you mind if I ask one more question just while we're on this NIL topic? How how is this going to affect Maryland, like in general, compared to the uh, the other schools? Because I know from what I hear, Maryland's alumni doesn't give as much as a lot of these other schools are giving. Yeah. Um, do you think NIL will change in the future? Because like, do you think there's going to be some sort of cap to how a school can uh, fund their athletes? Um, it's a loaded question, but how do you think this affects? the University of Maryland in general? Well, it's definitely going to change. It's going to have to change right now. It's just free for all. How you do it, I don't know. Obviously, Congress is involved. NCAA just kicked the can down the road way too long, and that's how you ended up in this situation. Um, for Maryland, I think it hurts more in football than basketball because right. there's so many – There's you know, basketball, you only need a few players, so it's not that, it's not that much money for the most part football, you got to fill out that whole roster and you got so many SEC schools and other powerhouses coming after these kids and they, they're spending more money than they do on the basketball side. So it, it's definitely more, and, and, and Mike Loxley's done a good job. He's worked really hard in fundraising to be competitive. So they do have a solid NIL program, but, um, and it does hurt basketball too. I mean, like Dickinson and there'll be other guys that they lost out on a 
a transfer last summer who wasn't even that great of a player who got a pretty good, you know, chunk of change, maybe 250 grand to go to an SEC school. And this is a sixth or seventh man kind of guy uh, who it turns out supposedly did not get the money. You know, that's another thing. Some, you know, guys are taking these deals and they're not really legally binding and, um, so it, yeah, it's still a challenge for basketball too, but football is really, I think a bigger challenge. Yeah. And let's talk about football. Um, just to dive into some sports, what is the bar for this year? Talia's back. We got some other guys coming back on offense. Um, what can we really expect from this year's squad? I mean, I think you, you want to get to eight wins again, at least, right. You don't want to go backwards. Uh, anything beyond that is, is house money, you know, I think they're as loaded the skill positions as they have been in a long time. They got a ton of talent there. When you include Talia, obviously, I think the receivers are better than last year, even though they don't have the same kind of high profile of the, that Rakim, Jared, and those guys did. I mean, running backs are loaded. Offensive line to me is the biggest question. You know, they lost a ton there. It was already going to be a question. And then you saw, you know, Mason Lunsford left for LSU and Colton Deary, who's probably going to start at center, left for TCU. So, uh, and then defensively, I think same question to me is the defensive line. Otherwise, they've got some nice pieces. So, you know, the schedule's not quite as hard as it has been lately. It sets up fairly nicely, at least, you know, considering that this is the first year, I think, in forever that I can recall where they weren't on every one of these, like, five hardest schedules in the country list that I see. So, I think, you know, if you, you got to at least get to seven or eight, if you can get to like nine, then then that's a huge breakthrough. And that's what Locks has talked about constantly is just progression every year. Matthew, you're on mute. I was going to say, um, Jay Sean's back. I, you know, what can we expect from that duo of Talia and Jay Sean? Obviously, we have no more Demas and no more Rakeem, but is this the year Jay Sean truly explodes? I think he'll have a good year. I mean, he was really good last year, led the team in most categories. I don't, you know, he's not the kind of speedster, you know, explosive guy who's going to put up a thousand yards necessarily, but he's, uh, he's a solid proven playmaker, super physical guy. Obviously you want him physicality sometimes works against him with personal fouls and things like that. So you want to see him kick that habit to the curb. And then, you know, uh, Caden Prather, the transfer from West Virginia is really good. He, he could end up being their best from receiver. Maryland? He went to Northwest, I believe. Northwest yeah, correct. Yeah, he was a four-star, and they really wanted him in that class. So it was one of those boomerang deals where you get him the second time around, transfer portal, 6'4 kid, very talented. Tyrese Chambers is really good, uh, receiver from FIU. And then I really like Octavian Smith, uh, true freshman last year, extremely slippery I think he's going to be a star eventually. And then Ty Felton is another guy, you know, when, whenever you ask anyone around the program who the one guy who's going to emerge this year, they tend to say Ty Felton. So I think they're really loaded at receiver. Oh. Awesome. I'm locked in. Should be exciting. And then basketball. I mean, I'm excited about this year. I know the Dickinson talk was hectic and we had hopes of being a top five team. I still think we can reach that. I think the squad brought back everyone we needed to bring back. We have a lot of new, great young guys coming in. What are your initial thoughts um, on the team overall? I mean, I think they'll be good. I think they should be better than last year. 
should be deeper. And you bring back your two best players. You know, Jameer Young was a second team, all Big Ten. Julian Reese was playing like an all-conference guy. So you have two guys right there who, if they play anywhere like they did last year, should both be first or second team all-conference players at arguably the two most important positions. You know, Dante Scott's proven commodity. Hopefully you get a better version of him than last year. Uh, you know, kind of struggled up and down last year. If he can shoot the ball like he did the year before that, you know, when he was like 42% from three, I think he was third in the conference in three-point shooting, that would be huge for them because to me that's the biggest question. You don't really have shooters. There's not a single proven three-point shooter on the roster. Uh, you also lost Ian Martinez, surprisingly, to the transfer portal. So, you you know, that that's a little hit to your guard depth. Yeah, but... what was that about? Why why did that happen so late? I think we were all pretty confused. But do you know any information on, like, the timing? Or like, Yeah, um, I don't know why he waited quite as long as he did. I know, you know, Kevin Willard was shocked by it, too. They had no – usually, I would say 90% of the time – coaches know if players transferring sometimes it's because they're urging them to transfer sometimes they just know it's very rare to be blindsided but he wanted to go somewhere I think where he could be a starter and get lots of shots and be featured and you know while he would have had a a significant role in Maryland he wasn't going to be that guy he saw Deshaun Harris-Smith coming in and he's going to eat up a lot of minutes I mean they feel like he's a I guess kind of jumping star, off that, you know, um, right out of Jeff, the box. What did you so hear about that? Was it. Was just that pretty much going across the program for a that he was larger opportunity somewhere else and going to uh, why he waited until the no very last season day ended, but I started no to hear idea. some whispers and reported it on the site probably three or four days before it happened. It wasn't known for a long time, but uh, I think with that one, I think that was a done deal very quickly after the season. Technically, Players and, you know, technically you're not allowed to talk if, if you haven't already entered the portal, but there's no such thing as tampering. It happens constantly everywhere. And um, I think, you know, it's home for him. Philly is home. Villanova has huge NIL money, as I, you know, I reported a lot on that during the Dickinson saga. You know, they they might have had a bigger offer than uh, than Kansas, to be honest. Jay Wright has some extremely wealthy alumni buddies who from what I'm told will just stroke the check when he asked he's very involved he was very involved on Dickinson's visit um so you know I, I, that's not to say it was just an NIL thing I have no idea what Hakeem Hart got but I think it was there wasn't much of a um back and forth with him and Willard it was kind of just done and and I Willard wasn't going to beg him to come back I think from what I've gathered, it seems like maybe Willard was a little less worried about him leaving than the average fan might be. Why? I have no idea. You know, there were times during the season where he seemed a little, I mean, I think he liked Hart. I think he's a little flustered maybe by him being somewhat passive at times. He mentioned he had comments about that, but uh, yeah, that one I think was just, he was, he was going no matter what. It's interesting you say Jay Wright's still very involved at Villanova um, because, you know, he's he's a CBS broadcaster now. He has no affiliation to the school. Um, but you're telling us that he's very involved with recruiting and still helping the program. Yeah, he is. I don't know if he might still have some title there, kind of like Gary Williams is still employed by Maryland as a fundraiser. I think Jay right. Wright might still be employed by them. Uh, so he's – I think he 
you know, he wants to see Kyle Neptune was his chosen guy for the job. So he wants to see him succeed. And so he is involved and he was really involved with Dickinson. And, you know, I think that Dickinson, even with the money and whatever else, he wasn't going to go there just because he wasn't going to risk maybe his last year of college ball when he wants to win a title on, on an inexperienced coach. But um, yeah, Wright is, is very involved. Tough year for them, you know, post Jay Wright, at least for the first season. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, wanted to transition to the basketball tournament. Um, we got the shell shock team coming together. How, do you know anything about how that was formed and how, Mellow Trimble, all these guys kind of came together and said, "Hey, let's give this give this a shot again." Yeah, um, Andrew Terrell or Andrew Terrell, I guess, was a walk-on guard at Maryland. Yeah. Really, as you guys know, popular guy had has a podcast oh, now. Yeah, good personality, and uh, so he he was him and and Nima Ahmedvar, who was the staffer at Maryland, were the two guys to kind of make it make it happen, start recruiting the players. They were going to get Jake Lehman also, uh, if not for an injury, which which really would have helped. But uh, I was a little surprised they got mellow, you know, given that this tournament doesn't pay anything. Like right. literally, it's all you're just doing it for the love of the game and to hopefully win. Um, so they just those guys just use their relationships and uh, they got, you know, obviously Robert Carter, Robert Carter, also Daryl Morsell. So they've got a solid roster. They took a few guys who didn't play at Maryland who were really good players. C.J. Williams was really good at NC State, played several years in the NBA. It's funny, though, it's not how that works. You know, it's not you're not automatically playing for your alma mater like Rashid Suleiman is playing for the Marshall team randomly. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's strange, but. Uh, yeah, so those two guys, uh, Andrew and Nima, just reached out to the former players. They obviously have relationships with a lot of them and talked several of them into joining. So it should be fun to watch. Yeah, and I've talked to Coach Nima about it, and his mindset is just awesome. They're all locked in. They've been doing a lot of team bonding events. It's really cool to see. Uh, from being especially dire Maryland fans, like, just to see the alumni come back together and play again. Like it's just, it, it's like a fulfillment feeling. I, I love it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it should be fun to watch, honestly. Um, one more question. I want to just revert back to our basketball team real quick. Um, a lot of people probably don't know a lot of the new roster guys. Is there someone that we should keep an eye out on, whether it's a transfer or, uh, freshman, is there anyone that you kind of want to say, watch out for this guy? He's going to be doing big things. Well, Deshaun Harris Smith is is the obvious choice. Everybody knows about him, but he, uh, you know, he's one of the top guys for like in the Big Ten, one of the top freshmen. Some people have already projected him as the Big Ten freshman of the year next year. So, and everything I've heard coming out of early workouts has lived up to that. I mean, they they love him six four. Lefty guard, super strong and physical, can pass. You know, shot is decent, still coming along. But, you know, just one of the best recruits Maryland's gotten in recent years. That's the obvious one. Jamie Kaiser being the other obvious, you know, six, seven freshman, super tough, can really shoot it. I think he, you know, I was there a few weeks ago watching them, and he was just knocking down NBA threes effortlessly. That was with nobody guarding him. You know, we all know that's a lot different, but – uh, those are the obvious ones, but like in terms of like off the radar, I think Jordan Geronimo is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, transfer from Indiana, 
about six, seven, can jump out of the gym. Absolute uh, freak athlete. I think they feel like he's got a little more perimeter skill than he was able to showcase at Indiana. He was, you know, in terms of the role that he was put in there. So uh, I think they think that he's going to be a lot better than people, people realize. And, you know, that would be huge for them because they don't have, they still don't have a lot of, you know, proven impact guys coming off the bench. Definitely. Well, Jeff, it was great talking to you. I think we both, Ryan and I learned a lot about, you know, how you operate, but also some really interesting facts about Maryland sports. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And we'll stay in touch and maybe we'll have you back on soon, but keep killing it, man. Yeah. Anytime, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks again, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Like Matthew was saying, it's you, you had no reason to join us, but we're big Maryland fans, Maryland alumni, and we always appreciate it. Oh, that was fun. You guys ask good questions. It's nice to talk about some topics that aren't always the same ones that everybody asked about. So, that, no, that was cool. Just um, when you tweet it, I'll retweet it, obviously. And then if you guys ever have like Maryland related guests on your podcast, just let me know and I'll, I'll link it or write it up. We appreciate awesome. it. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate so it. Much. Much. Much.